While bandana-clad millennials cower at home in fear, our 74-year-old, fast-food-chomping, physical-exercise-issuing president just beat the China virus in three days. He has now been discharged from Walter Reed Medical Center. He has returned to the White House. He has walked out onto that front portico of the White House to show everybody that he is fit as a fiddle, that he is strong. He took his mask off while he was far away from people just to show everyone he was doing all right. And the mainstream media could not be more upset. This is obviously Here it's gonna come. A, Here we a, go. a very different takes it off. and incorrect message. And you see him here. Um, he takes it off, and he's getting ready for his pictures. The flags flank him. Right, Caitlin? This is what he did. This is the moment. This is what he produced it for. He wants the image to be, I'm strong. This virus is nothing. His tweet today, feeling better than I did 20 years ago. Don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. There he is. This is the image he wants. Yeah, and let us Sorry, remind sister. viewers now that the president is on steroids and a drug that fewer than 10 people outside of clinical trials have gotten inside the United States to deal with coronavirus. He had a level of treatment and a level of care that most Americans would not get. That's Don't sound so happy about he it. He is the president of the United States. Obviously, everyone expects that. But what the president is portraying by taking his mask off when he gets back to the Truman balcony to his give strength. this this grand return to the White House is that everything is fine. And uh -huh. as he said, don't let coronavirus control your life. But that is very much still a president who has coronavirus. Yeah, it is. And he's not letting it control his life. And he's projecting strength and telling people not to be afraid, as he should. Sorry, ghouls. I'm sorry that the president has recovered. And that's so hard for you. Sorry that the president is telling not just the American people, but the whole world that he's strong and he's not going to let this thing destroy him. I know you thought you had him, but you didn't. And not only was that scene important to emerge from the balcony, take the mask off, project strength, but he explained exactly why he did it for all those cowards and fear mongers in the mainstream media who just couldn't get it. I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. And you're going to beat it. I went, I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago. Two days ago, I felt great, like better than I have in a long time. I said just recently, better than 20 years ago. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. Don't let that happen. We have the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. We're going to be out front. As your leader, I had to do that. I knew there's danger to it, but I had to do it. I stood out front. I led. Nobody that's a leader would not do what I did. And I know there's a risk, there's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better, and maybe I'm immune. I don't know. But don't let it dominate your lives. Get out there. Be careful. We have the best medicines in the world. Go on out there. Do not be afraid. Do not live your lives in fear. Oh, the mainstream media don't want to hear that. They do want you to cower in fear. Those are two different views of the country. Those are two different views of politics. Those are two different views of life. We will take the Trump view. We will encourage you because there's a whole lot of reason to be encouraged. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show.
Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from Connor Adams. Connor says, even the virus chooses Trump over Biden. That's true. And there's a lot of evidence, by the way, that more and more people around this country are choosing Trump over Biden, despite what some of the polls say. And actually, if you look a little more closely into those polls, they actually tell that story. We will go through all of it. You know, you've got to not just read the polls. You've got to listen to what people in the country are saying. Because of course, some pollster calls you, some stranger says, are you going to vote for the mango Mussolini that everyone's been telling us is Hitler for the last four years? Uh, you're probably not going to be willing to do that. You've got to listen very carefully. And one of the best ways to listen carefully is to use Raycon wireless earbuds. Using a pair of premium wireless earbuds, it is the best way to listen to anything, especially if you can get them at less than half the price of the other guys, which is why you got to check out Raycon. Raycon's newest model, the Everyday E20 earbuds are their best ones yet. Six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass and more compact design and noise isolating fit. Raycon earbuds, they are stylish, they are discreet, no dangling wires or stems. I have another pair of wireless earbuds as well and sometimes I'll switch them on and off just to try, just to see what it's like. The Raycon are better, okay? And I think we all know what the other ones are. The Raycon are better. They are. That's just the way it is. Give them a try. Raycon has a 45-day free return policy, so you can make sure they are the wireless earbuds that are for you. Total game changer. And right now, for a limited time, you get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. That is buyraycon.com slash Knowles for a special 15% discount on Raycon wireless earbuds. Make sure to check it out now while the deal is running. You're, you're going to be like me. You can try them out. You can compare them to the other one. I'm telling you, the Raycon ones are going to be better. Buyraycon.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Trump says, don't be afraid. The media say, do be afraid. Jake Tapper on CNN. I think he typified his entire profession when he watched that scene of President Trump, when he listened to him say, do not be afraid, and he couldn't have been angrier. President Trump wrote on Twitter, don't be afraid of COVID, don't let it dominate your life. Almost 210,000 Americans are dead from this disease, meaning hundreds of thousands of people in this country are mourning. Oh, we just reached, we, look at that, we just reached 210,000 uh, since I've been on air. 210,000 Americans dead, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Americans mourning them. 7.4 million Americans uh, have contracted the disease. Many of them are going to have health problems for the rest of their life. For President Trump, who gets the best medical care of anybody in the world, to say, don't be afraid of COVID, don't let it dominate your life. There are children who don't have parents now because of this virus. Don't let it dominate your life? I mean, Jake, this is, this is so disrespectful. I'm not even sure I can, I can speak about this in some sort of uh, cogent way here. It is disrespectful. This segment on Jake Tapper's show is very, very, very disrespectful. Nothing Trump said is disrespectful. It's, it's amazing. If President Trump were a Democrat and he gave this speech, they'd be hailing it as the greatest speech since FDR said that there is nothing to fear but fear itself. Should FDR not have said that? FDR should have come out and said in the depths of the depression, there's a lot to fear. You got to be afraid, man. People are losing their whole livelihoods. People are killing themselves. Children don't have parents now. Be afraid. Be very, very afraid. That's what the media want to tell you. How ghoulish is it that CNN has a clock of people who die from coronavirus? Did you see Jake Tapper there? That hack 
Did you see what he said? Sitting there, uh, the president is, his, he's recovered and he's strong and, but people are dying. Oh, look, ha <laughs> look, yes. 210,000 people now. Yes. <laughs> Be afraid. Don't look so happy, Jake. Don't look so happy. I, I was speaking yesterday when I was hosting Ben's show to Dr. Marty McCary. I said, what are we going to make of this in light of other epidemics? And he said, well, it's very selective how the mainstream media are talking about this because of course, what was it? Just a few years ago, we had almost 80,000 deaths from the seasonal flu. Should the president come out and say, be afraid of the flu, be very afraid, stay at home because of the flu. Children don't have parents because of the flu. Of course, that's true. Should we, should we fear monger over that? No, no, you cannot live in fear. What the media are trying to say that Trump said is that the, the disease poses no danger at all. That isn't what he said. That isn't what we conservatives are saying either. I made this point yesterday. We're not saying don't be afraid because the virus can't infect you or because there won't be negative consequences from the virus. We're saying don't be afraid because we have to live our lives. This get, does get, I suppose, to a bottom religious difference, which is that if you are a Christian, at least a Christian, I suppose if you're religious in other ways as well, or you're an adherent to other religions too, you'd often, you, you don't believe that this is all there is. I'm not, no expert on Judaism and Islam, but I think that they have views that are a little bit bigger than this material world. Certainly Christians do. This isn't the end of the story. There are more important things to life than, than just our physical selves. Okay. There are more important, and by the way, even if you're just a total stone cold atheist, let's say you're just a stoic, let's say that you, you're not focused on the, the life after death. Still, you can have courage. Still, you can say, I'm being confronted with this challenge and I'm going to face it head on like a man with toughness. We used to say that in this country. And then the whiny, sniveling mainstream media come out and tell us to be afraid. How dare they? How dare they do that? It's a horrible thing to do. Terrible way to, to tell people to live their lives. And by the way, Jake Tapper wasn't incredibly the most hysterical person on this yesterday. That honor went to the CBS a White House correspondent who uh, wished that he were in North Korea because he would feel safer. You know, safety at, at the White House compared to other places around the world is, uh, I think, a little bit higher for most journalists. I think a lot of journalists, when they go uh, North Korea or other tyrannical regimes, they're in much greater danger. And uh, obviously there are dangers in this country, one of which is distracted driving. It's a serious problem on our roadways that leads to the deaths of thousands of people and injuries in the hundreds of thousands each year. So when you take your eyes and your focus off the road, even for just a second, it can be deadly, not just for you, but for other drivers, pedestrians and bicyclists. Sadly, many Americans are using their cell phones while driving, whether it's texting, checking emails, scrolling, media feeds, or any other form of distraction. Drivers are putting themselves and others around them at greater risk, which is why it's important to know that 48 states ban texting and driving. Also, also, 21 states prohibit all drivers from using cell phones while driving. Distracted drivers are not only putting people at risk, they're also breaking the law. It's dangerous to use your cell phone behind the wheel. That's why law enforcement officers write tickets and enforce hands-free and anti-texting and driving laws. You gotta, when you are driving, you gotta put down your phone. You've gotta keep your hands on the wheel. You've gotta keep your eyes on the road and your mind on the task of driving. You drive, you text, you pay, brought to you by NHTSA.
that may have been my smoothest transition I've ever had. Even I lost, oh my gosh, we're talking about the journalist and then we're in. This journalist at CBS News, uh, he's the, he's the White House guy there. He tweets out, quote, I felt safer reporting in North Korea than I currently do reporting at the White House. This is just crazy. This is in fact crazy. This statement is crazy. Maybe this journalist felt safer in North Korea because he had a little bit more in common ideologically with the government of North Korea than he does with the government of the United States. But in reality, he certainly was not safer. It's, it's this attempt to make you believe that a disease where you have a greater than 99% chance of survival is worse than the black death, worse than the bubonic plague. Why are they trying to do this? To keep you from going to work, to keep you from going out, to keep the economy depressed. Major prominent leftists told us before the disease, they told us that they were hoping for a recession because even though it would hurt people, it would hurt Trump's chances of winning re-election. Bill Maher came out and said it explicitly on television. There, there is a huge political incentive for the left to keep you afraid, but l- leaders don't do that. It's a very, very terrible thing to do to make people be afraid. Courage, courage is a virtue. Courage is actually a prerequisite virtue. You, you need courage to enact all of the other virtues. And that's what the president is saying. And we need to see that. This is why the the left has never understood strength, peace through strength. They never understood Reagan. They never understood Trump on this point. In order to have peace, you need to project strength because that deters aggression. Trump was doing that explicitly the other night, or last night rather, at the White House. But in anything in life, if you come off strong, then you will not, hopefully as much, need to use force. You will not invite aggression. Strength is a good thing. I I said yesterday on the show, I said that the the liberals are are misunderstanding us because they think that we're not wearing the masks or whatever, not wearing the masks all the time alone in our cars, or we're not uh, in favor of all these draconian lockdown measures because we think we can never get the virus. When in fact, we oppose all those things because we know that we're all going to get the virus because this new virus is here to stay. And if we don't get it now, we'll get it later. And if we don't get it later, we'll get it even later than that. But it is out there. It's, it's around. It's going to come back. Well, the World Health Organization seems to be backing up my point. The World Health Organization said on Monday that its best estimates indicate that up to 10% of the global population has already been infected with COVID-19. Already. The virus has only existed for what? Eight or nine months? And already 10% of earth has gotten it? We quoted other doctors yesterday, an expert from Columbia who told NPR that in, in studies, the masks fail, not even necessarily because of the masks themselves, but because people don't use them correctly and they touch their face and they move it all over themselves. Dr. Fauci says the vaccine in a perfect world is going to give us herd immunity, but we don't live in a perfect world and and some people aren't going to get it. So then we're not going to get herd immunity. So the virus, believe it or not, there is a limit to politics and the virus cannot be abolished through a really smart social policy. The virus is here and either we can live the rest of our lives in fear or we can man up and deal with it. The left doesn't want to do that. The left really believes there's no limit to politics. 
the left really believes this is, this is a matter of life and death, truly a matter of life and death for all of us, and they can save the whole world if we just follow their policies. This is not just true of the elite politicians who occupy the Senate or, or when Democrats win, occupy the White House or occupy the bureaucracy. This is true all the way down the line, all the way to elementary school teachers, middle school teachers. There's a teacher in Seattle, our pal Jason Rance up in Seattle found this one. There's a teacher up in Seattle who kicked a child out of her classroom, now her virtual classroom because they don't have real classrooms, kicked the kid out for saying that he admires Donald Trump. The teacher was in a, in a group chat with, with his students and he said, who is a role model? Who is someone that you want to follow? And the kid said, quote, his 10-year-old kid in Tacoma, I admire Donald J. Trump because he is making America great again and because he is the best president the United States could ever, ever have and he built the wall so terrorists couldn't come into the U.S. Trump is the best person in the world and that's why I admire him. This teacher kicked the child out of the classroom for saying he admires the president, the president who now just recovered from the coronavirus and showed, showed us all strength. The teacher, once the teacher kicked the kid out, the, the kid's mother, who was looking over and seeing the screen, started to record it. Listen to this whiny, morally idiotic teacher. Positive things and role models that we should admire. Um, again, um, the example that was shared in the chat, which I went ahead and erased for us, uh, was not appropriate, right? Especially as... Um, that individual has created so much division and hatred between people and specifically um, spoken hatred to many different individuals, okay? Um, so I do apologize for um, kicking out of the conference as I went ahead and adjusted our settings, um, but the settings should be adjusted now. Um, the chat should be locked for today just because I, I realized that maybe that question uh, wasn't clear enough. Um, so we'll go ahead and uh, skip on that for today. Okay. Again, um, that individual has spoken um, hate to many individuals and I don't think is um, an appropriate example for a role model. Um, we should be admired. You say who? Donald okay. J. Trump. Said, <laughs> who did you say? Donald J. Trump. And the, this teacher, this little wuss. This, this sniveling little teacher comes out and kicks the kid out and he wouldn't even accept responsibility for it. He says, well, and I went in and I adjusted the settings and I'm sorry if the student got kicked out. I adjusted the settings and you can't say that you like the president. He's a mean guy. I hate the president. This is obviously a teacher who does not understand the virtues of courage, the virtues of strength, the virtue of manliness. Harvey Mansfield, professor at Harvard, wrote a great book called Manliness a number of years ago about this virtue. The word virtue, by the way, relates to manliness. It comes from the Latin word vir, which means man, virtu, manliness. But now we're told in our culture that manliness is toxic and we all need to be effeminate. And when, when women are effeminate, that's a perfectly fine thing. But when men are, it's not a fine thing. When we, you know, there's a difference in words. You say womanly, to refer to a woman, and you say woman-ish to refer to a man who is being effeminate. What's the difference? One is positive, one is negative. One is proper, the other is bizarre, off kilter. And that's what we're seeing here. We're being told 
that, that manliness itself is toxic. So is it any surprise that the media react negatively when the president shows some strength? But it turns out all those people are completely wrong. It is important, particularly in times of trial, particularly in times of danger, to show some strength and some duty and some responsibility. I'm sure Trump wanted nothing more than to go lie down in the east wing of the White House and fluff up a pillow and relax because I'm sure he's not feeling very well right now. But he came out anyway because that is his responsibility. And sniveling teachers in the mainstream media don't get it. Some people are openly calling for his death. They're going out on the internet. They are, and these are sometimes even, even people who are going out into the streets as well, but then they take to the internet and they call for the president's death. And that is not a good use of the internet. When you're on the internet, you should instead use it to buy auto parts at rockauto.com. Now look, me, I obviously don't know very much about cars. So when I go into a brick and mortar store, what happens? I don't know anything about the parts that I need. They don't have the part that I need. They go online probably to Rock Auto. They get the part in and then I have to pay twice as much as I would if I had just gone to rockauto.com. So much easier. Just do that. They're a family company. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They don't have all these crazy gimmicks with pricing and it goes up one day and down another day and all this. it's just always reliably low prices. Best for me, most important thing, the website is simple enough. Even I can navigate it. Even I, I don't know, I can barely tell you the difference between brands of cars, but even I can navigate this website. Very useful, especially these days when the in-store shopping experience is not exactly pleasant. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Rockauto.com. You go there right now, you see all the parts available for your car or truck, and then you write Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, in there. How did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you? The people who are openly calling for the death of the president right now on the internet, which is a lot of people, should be arrested and charged with sedition. Sedition. Now, some people say, I tweeted this yesterday, they say, Michael, the First Amendment, it's a free country. You're allowed to be seditious. You're not. You're not. Sedition has never been protected by the First Amendment. It has never been considered to be protected by the First Amendment. And today, it is not protected by the First Amendment. Now, we have to get a little bit more specific. It's not just everyone who tweets something stupid on the internet that should be arrested and charged with sedition. The, the statutory definition is pretty clear. 18 U.S. Code, Section 2384. According to the statutory definition of sedition, it is a crime for two or more people within the jurisdiction of the United States to conspire to overthrow or destroy by force the government of the United States or to level war against them, to oppose by force the authority of the United States government, to prevent, hinder, or delay by force and execution of any law of the United States, or to take, seize, or possess by force any property of the United States contrary to the authority thereof. So now you might say, under that definition of sedition, these people calling for the death of the president are not culpable. Well, some of them are. Because I bet you, if you were to look at the group of people that is currently burning down American cities in the name of overthrowing the system of law enforcement, in the name of taking federal properties and federal courthouses by force, and you look at the group of people who are calling for the death of the president on the internet, and you made a Venn diagram, I bet that that group in the middle would be pretty significant just a hunch. I don't know. Maybe we'd need to investigate. And what I'm saying is, it is not conducive to our national happiness 
for people openly to call for the death of our duly elected president. It is not conducive to our national happiness to burn down American cities. That's not a grassroots movement. That is a highly organized, radical, subversive insurrection. And we shouldn't tolerate it. Certainly not in the name of the First Amendment, which in no way protects those sorts of things. You know, right now, it looks as though coronavirus is helping President Trump in the polls. But why is that? How on earth could it help President Trump in the polls? Well, you've got to look at Joe Biden and the Democrats, because I'm not just talking about the radical Democratic people on the streets who are burning down the cities. I'm talking about all the way to the top, Joe Biden. Joe Biden, even old good old Scranton Joe, considers Trump supporters and conservatives to be the dregs of society. He recently said this at a human rights campaign fundraiser. Take a listen. Despite losing in the courts and in the court of public opinion, these forces of intolerance remain determined to undermine and roll back the progress you all have made. This time, they, not you, have an ally in the White House. This time, they have an ally. They're a small percentage of the American people, virulent people, some of them the dregs of society. And instead of using the full might of the executive branch to secure justice, dignity, safety for all, the president uses the White House as a literal, literal bully pulpit, callously, callously exerting his power over those who have little or none. Those who have little or none, he says of the human rights campaign, one of the best funded organizations in politics. Human rights campaign is the ridiculously named group that radically redefined marriage for the, for the first time in human history, radically redefined marriage. They were the ones behind that. That's the equal sign sticker. Human rights campaign, it's the group that was found, co-founded by this guy named Terry Bean, who has been indicted for sexually abusing a minor boy twice. That them, no power at all. Somehow he's managed to get off the hook though, but they've got, they've got no power. They only managed to, for the first time in human history, radically redefine sexual difference out of marriage because they have no power, right? Of course not. This is Joe Biden's deplorables moment. The main, mainstream media probably aren't going to cover it, but we'll cover it. We'll make, we'll make sure this one goes around. He says that Trump supporters are the dregs of society. And specifically what he's talking about are Christians because he's, he's speaking at this HRC fundraiser and he's saying, look, if you oppose radically redefining marriage away from ha- including sexual difference, if you are a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim, but he's not going to mention them. But if you're a, if you're a Christian who opposes redefining marriage, you are the dregs of society. You are, you are hopelessly bigoted. This of course is very religiously intolerant of Joe Biden, but it does help to explain why below the surface of these polls, President Trump seems to be doing well. I'll give, I'll give you an example. So COVID appears to be helping Trump in the polls. Uh, there's only one poll that's, that's been put out since President Trump contracted the virus. This is a poll by John Zogby Strategies, and it showed that uh, right now Biden is only leading Trump by two points, 49 to 47. Now, compared to this older poll from Zogby, which is July 8th, Biden was leading Trump by seven points, 48 to 42. And then in August, August 29th, Biden was leading Trump 48 to 42. But then after Trump had coronavirus, 
that lead shrunk dramatically such that now, now they, they appear to be within two points. But there's a more interesting poll that came out. There's a more interesting poll that shows, it, it doesn't ask people what they think about the presidential election. It asks people what they think their neighbors are thinking about the presidential election. And that distance is giving Trump a clear edge. Well, why is it? Because we live in a culture of fear. We live in a culture where you're not allowed to say what you think. That poll may be the most important poll that's come out in the past several weeks. We'll dig into it. But if you didn't get enough politics last week, this Wednesday, October 7th, will be the vice presidential debate between Mike Pence and Kamala Harris. And Daily Wire's Matt Walsh will be live reacting to the debate as part of a special edition of All Access Live. Members, join Matt Wednesday night at 8.45 p.m. Eastern, 5.45 Pacific at dailywire.com to chat live with him on the stream and in the comments. If you're not part of Daily Wire already, join now as an all-access member, get 20% off with code DEBATE. So you can watch all of our upcoming debate coverage live at dailywire.com, on Apple TV, or on the Roku app, and join us on All Access Live every night for online and live stream discussions. You also get not one, but two Leftist Tears tumblers with your membership, as well as early and sometimes exclusive access to new Daily Wire products. That is this Wednesday, October 7th at 8.45 Eastern, 5.45 Pacific. Join us, get 20% off your all-access membership with code DEBATE when you sign up today. We'll be right back with a lot more. A new Harvard-Harris survey shows that a plurality of registered voters believe that their neighbors are voting for President Trump. That's weird. Why would you ask people how they think their neighbors are voting? Well, it's to avoid this problem that we're hearing from people who we, we now have been told that President Trump is the mango Mussolini, he's Hitler, he's literally a Nazi, and if you vote for him, you're the scum of the earth and you should be run out of polite society. So when pollsters, when strangers call you and say, who are you voting for? You might be a little more reticent to give your answer. A way to give a little distance here is to say, hey, who do you think your neighbors are voting for? What's your sense of what's going on? And a plurality, according to this survey, which was taken September 22nd to the 24th of 1,314 registered voters, a plurality, 43%, say that their neighbors are going to vote for Trump. Then only 36% say their neighbors are going to vote for Biden. 21% remain unsure. That tells you something. That tells you not only that they think that President Trump has a better shot than Joe Biden, it tells you that they think that people are afraid of the mainstream media, right? Because if the mainstream media and the Democratic Party and the liberal establishment generally and big tech, if they were not so viciously left-wing, vindictively left-wing, people would be more likely to say, yeah, I think I'm gonna, uh, here's who I'm going to vote for. But the fact that there's such a discrepancy between who they say they're going to vote for and who they say their neighbors are going to vote for shows you that there is a real sense of repression. There's a real sense of having to keep your Trump support quiet. This was true in 2016. It is certainly true today. And it's because of Joe Biden's religious language. It's because, I mean, the left generally, Joe Biden's just adopted it. This, this dregs of society, the, the deplorables and the irredeemables, the bitter clingers clinging to their guns and religion, as Barack Obama put it. 
It's because leftism is a totalizing religion. It is, it is different than Christianity. It is in some ways an inversion of Christianity. And people get very, very protective of their religion. There, there are religious wars that are going on. Not just Joe Biden, you know, suing nuns, for instance, promising to sue nuns again uh, for, if they don't give out abortion drugs, if he gets into the White House. Not just Bill de Blasio saying he's going to shut down synagogues and churches. Andrew Cuomo now, governor of New York, is threatening to shut down synagogues if the Jews don't get in line with his COVID policies. I have to say to the Orthodox community tomorrow, uh, if you're not willing to live with these uh, rules, then I'm going to close the synagogues. I have had a 30-year relationship with the Orthodox community. It goes back to my father. Uh, I have a very close personal relationship with them. This is the last thing I want to do. Forget the politics. I don't care about that anymore. Personally, I don't want to have this conversation. It's a difficult conversation. And you're right on the line of government uh, intrusion on religion. So it's hard. I didn't want to close down 1,000 bars, put people out of work. You know, it's hard. It's hard, you know. First of all, listen to that, L- listen to that uh, dichotomy there. You got the synagogues and you've got the bars. And he's saying, yeah, they're kind of the same thing, but they're not. We obviously have much stronger protections in this country for religion than we do for drinking. And I'm a guy who I enjoy going to bars. But for Cuomo, it's all the same because really what they're talking about is a protection of their religion, the religion of leftism, the religion of administrative government, the religion of rule by experts, the religion of we know what's better for you than you do. He says, look, I wish I didn't have to do this, but I'm going to close down your synagogues if you don't take a knee, if you don't do what I tell you to do on COVID. What are we so afraid of? If you say to me right now, Michael, you can sit at home and your chances of getting COVID are going to be way, way lower. And let's say COVID were, were even much more dangerous than it is. Let's say that I could extend my life by 10 years if I just stayed home and never went to church again. Or I could reduce my lifespan by 10 years and go to church. I would go to church. Of course. Of course I would. Because of the Christian view of life. And I bet if you ask Jews that, would you, if you could either extend your life 10 years by never going to synagogue again, never celebrating the high holy days, or you could reduce your lifespan 10 years, but go to synagogue. I bet they would say they'd go to synagogue. I bet the Muslims would say they'd go to the mosque. The left can't understand that because they're making philosophical and theological arguments and they're pretending they're scientific arguments, but they're not, you know, science, as we think about it today, is a motive of material inquiry. It's just saying we're going to investigate these physical phenomena. But what undergirds that is philosophical and theological. I would rather go to church. And this, even outside of the religious context, is true of a lot of people who, you know, just, it would just be more philosophical. They would say, look, I'm, yeah, maybe this life is the only life we have, but I'd rather go live it than cower at home in fear. 
I'd rather go live my life and take a risk and maybe reduce my lifespan than not live my life and turn into a couch potato and cower in fear. I'd rather show some courage. I'd rather show some virtue. These are competing religions, competing religious creeds. You might have seen the new religious creed of the left. You might have seen it if you were driving by. You don't see a lot of Joe Biden lawn signs because no one's excited about Joe Biden, but there is a lawn sign that the left has adopted. It's the we believe lawn sign. We believe, which is like in Christianity, you have the credo, which is I believe, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. And in leftism, you have we believe. And the sign says, we believe black lives matter. No human is illegal. Love is love. Women's rights are human rights. Science is real. Water is life. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. It's kind of weird. Why are you putting all that on a sign? What does that mean? Most people probably would, could agree at least with the individual slogans here, but this is why slogans are so dangerous. So you got to look down a little more deeply at what this means. And what it means is, though it seems to be affirmative and positive, it's actually purely negative. We believe Black Lives Matter. Well, what does Black Lives Matter mean? Black Lives Matter is an avowedly Marxist organization that seeks in public policy most directly to abolish the police, right? That's, the, that's what we've seen at all of these BLM rallies that are highly organized, highly funded, have founders who admit that it's an avowedly Marxist organization. So that's the first one. Abolish the philosophical underpinnings of our country and abolish the police. No human being is illegal. What does that mean? It means erase national borders. It means there's no such thing as illegal immigration. Everyone has a right to come into the country, but only our country. We don't have a right to go into other people's countries. Love is love. What does that mean? That means abolish traditional sexual morality because only those awful Christians and Jews and Muslims would ever believe that there is such a thing as a, a sexual morality and there could be sexual violations. Only those dregs of society would believe that. So abolish that. Women's rights are human rights. That means there is a patriarchy. We need to overthrow that patriarchy. And ultimately the way it was used when that phrase became popular, particularly during second wave feminism, is we need to abolish the, the normal normality of the nuclear family. We need to get rid of that and break it up and have all different sorts of kinds of families. Water is life. This one fooled me. This one, I had no idea what this was. Water is life. What kind of weird stuff is this? So I Googled it. Turns out that is an anti-fossil fuel slogan. It's a slogan by environmental people who want us to give up our entire energy system. And then injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Now that obviously isn't true. <laughs> you know, it, uh, injustice in Pakistan is, is not a threat to justice in the United States, except in as much as we live in a fallen world. And, and while there is sin in the world, sin and death will pervade the world, but we're not going to fix that through politics anyway. So put that aside. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. What does that mean? It means abolish the whole damn system. Justice, right? That's the end of government. As James Madison famously said, it's the whole point of the system is justice. So if, if the system is in any way unjust, we need to get rid of it and start over. That's a left-wing creed. They just don't recognize it as such. This point of science is real. That's, a, that's part of a creed. They just don't recognize it as such. They don't, they don't realize that when they say, we want to live in fear, we want to shut down society in perpetuity, all we value is our physical health, whatever that means, such as it is, they don't realize that that cowardly language does not speak for the rest of us. That believe it or not, there are people out there who value courage. 
that there are people out there who are willing to take risk, that there are people out there who realize that there is risk inherent in anything we do in life, even sitting at home. And we're going to take our chances and pursue the good and do what we can. They don't realize that there's even really an alternative beyond the bigoted musings of the dregs of society. They don't see the other side of that. Speaking of Black Lives Matter, which is, you know, the first line on the sign, Black Lives Matter is kind of the, it's the gateway into this whole idea of what the founders would call Marxism. Speaking of Black Lives Matter, there's a great video going around right now. The daughter of an ambushed cop just spoke at a Blue Lives Matter event. This woman just spoke about risk and courage and not being afraid because her mother was ambushed on the job and she was killed by a career criminal at the age of 48. This is Genesis Familia. Uh, her, her mother was Miosotis Familia. Take a listen. My mom was a true patriot and she loved this country and was proud to be an American. The text of Miosotis Familia was an amazing daughter to my ugly grandmother who she took care of. An awesome and loving sister to all of my uncles and aunts. And she was a fun aunt herself to my own cousins. And most importantly, she was a mom to me and to my younger brother and sister, who I now have to be a mom to, and I raised on my own. My mom, like every other police officer on the job, who sacrifices so much time from their friends and their family to protect all New Yorkers, put her life on the line every day to make New York City a better place. And she truly felt that. She was an amazing human being and she was taken from me and those that loved her just for the blue uniform that she wore. Heartbreaking stuff to listen to. This woman very, uh, puts it all into perspective, I suppose, particularly on this point of courage. The left, they don't seem to understand why anyone would join up in the police, why anyone would enlist in the army. They seem to think it's crazy. I mean, this, this, really began in the modern era in the 1960s when cowardly university students didn't want to serve their country. So they dodged the draft. One of those guys who dodged the draft became president actually in the 1990s. One of those Democrats. They don't get it. Why would you, why would you do it? Their only view of cops is that cops just join the force so they can kill black people, right? Obviously, I don't think, don't think this woman's mother was out there because she hated black people being black herself. But there is something higher, believe it or not. Maybe we've just got to show this to our friends on the left. There is a, a higher calling than just protecting your physical self at all times. And courage takes different forms, by the way. There's, there's one issue I've got to touch on. A lot of people aren't covering it. It's a, a Vatican scandal. It's not a sex scandal, though. People, people only ever focus on the sex scandal, which obviously was horrific. It came out in the 2000s, but it mostly took place in the 70s and, and 80s and a little bit in the 90s. That was where the bulk of these things took place, right after the spirit of the 1960s, the spirit of Vatican II, whatever you want to call it, spirit of 68. And sure, I mean, those were horrific. You can read the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report. It's really horrific. But very often those scandals distract from scandals that are ongoing at the Vatican, which is in Vatican finances, which is at the Vatican bank. And sometimes the sex scandals are used explicitly 
to cover those up. There was a, a case of, of an Australian cardinal, Cardinal Pell, who was accused of, of sexual abuse. And the allegations never made any sense. They didn't add up. The timelines didn't add up. His relationship to the individuals didn't add up. A lot of people didn't believe it. And he was convicted and then this was overturned. Now it is coming out that another cardinal, Cardinal Bechu, it sounds like you sneezed, Cardinal Bechu, the former head of the Congregation for the Causes of Saints, is now being investigated for bribing the individuals in the Cardinal Pell case to accuse Cardinal Pell of sexual abuse. Why would he do this? Because Cardinal Pell was trying to clean up the Vatican Bank. Everyone who tries to clean up the Vatican Bank, everyone who tries to go to the heart, the, the, the still beating heart of the corruption at the Vatican, always winds up in trouble. Somehow those forces, those dark forces at the Vatican, somehow the bad guys in the Vatican always seem to get them. Now this is a, in a, in a way, it's the same kind of courage, but in a very different realm from someone, say, joining the police or someone enlisting in the military. When you go after corruption in the political realm or in a, or even in a, especially in a spiritual realm, you are opening yourself up to attack. You are opening yourself up to big, big trouble. A lot of people, when they see that everyone who tries to clean up the Vatican bank gets their lives ruined, they would probably say, you know what, let's lay off this one for a while. Maybe I don't need to go after this. That's not the right attitude to draw. That's not the right conclusion to draw, rather. Not the right attitude to have. The left would say so. The left would say, let's just back away. Well, of course, the mainstream media, these, they're, they're part of the corruption of this liberal establishment. They are the corruption in many ways. Only corrupt, truly thoroughly corrupt people would discourage you, meaning to take away your courage. What does courage mean? It means to, to have heart, to take heart from core. That is what corruption does. Virtue tells you to have heart, to be encouraged, to, to recognize. I mean, Christ says this in the gospels, right? He says, you'll have troubles in this world. You will have, not, not if you elect the right politicians, they'll solve all the problems in this world. Not if you just have the right social policy, then all the problems will go away. He says, no, you will have trouble in this world, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That is the view that built our civilization. That is the view that will forge your souls. That is the view that the president of the United States is giving out to us. Don't be afraid. Take heart. And for all those thoroughly corrupt people trying to discourage you, tune them out. They're just another trouble you'll have in this world. But take heart and don't be afraid. That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. 
Assistant Director, Pavel Wadowski. Editor and Associate Producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio Mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and Makeup, Nika Geneva. And Production Assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. Did you know that mRNA vaccines are approved for use in pigs in the United States? Not to mention 85% of the beef sold in your local grocery store is imported. In fact, over 5 billion pounds of meat was imported just last year. There's so much mystery surrounding our meat, which is why I'm so grateful for my Good Rancher subscription. I know that I don't have to worry about imported meat or unknown vaccines in the food that I feed my family. Good Ranchers is saying mRNO to mRNA by offering a free 10-pound Easter ham with any subscription. Unlike the pork from the grocery store, Good Ranchers ham is guaranteed 100% free from mRNA vaccines. This is a $119 value, absolutely free with code DAILYWIRE. Go to GoodRanchers.com and say mRNO to mRNA by subscribing today. You have a right to know exactly what's in your food, and Good Ranchers is dedicated to protecting that right and providing your family with the best meat in America, free from any unknown and potentially harmful additives. Go to GoodRanchers.com and subscribe to any of their boxes and use code DAILYWIRE at checkout. Every subscription will come with a free Heritage Ham, $25 off, and Good Ranchers' lifetime quality commitment. That's GoodRanchers.com, code DAILYWIRE.